0: You know, we are in this series on the book of James, and remember, James is one of those guys that gets in our face, gets in our business, and challenges us. He talks straight to us, and the book of James, as we work through it, we see that James is after one thing. He's after the maturity of our faith, that our mature, that our faith would grow up. See, some of us have a toddler faith. You know, and and toddlers are okay. They're appropriate for that age group. And there's nothing wrong with having a toddler faith. But as your life grows longer, in fact, some of us have had an infant faith, even though we've been following Jesus for 10 and 20 and, and 40 years. And so James comes along here in the book of James and he calls us to maturity and to growth. And today's message is one that's extremely challenging. For me, as well as hopefully for some of you, is that it's going to challenge us in some, in some new ways. Today, James is going to talk about being a hearer and a doer. Hearing and doing. Someone who hears and then who does based on what they received. And so let's jump right in. You can read along with me on the screens. James 1.19, my dear brothers and sisters. Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now right off the bat, that just nails me. The first thing he says is take note of this. He's saying, Orchard, pause. Stop thinking about your to-do list for the Super Bowl. Stop thinking about what you're gonna do next or who you're gonna invite. Be present, lean forward. Orchard, take note and listen to what's about to be said. And then he says everyone, and there's no exclusion to everyone. And I just wanna clarify today in these hard passages, passages of James that he is talking to us. And that I want us to concern ourselves with ourselves. You see, when we we listen to something that's challenging, we're prone to think of someone else, aren't we? I mean, it says here, be quick to listen. I really hope my husband is getting this. (laughs) Slow to speak. Please let this get through to my life. Slow to anger. I am sending this podcast to my mother-in-law. Like we always think of someone else and today James challenges us to stop and take note and for us to wrestle with what he's about to say. He says, be quick, to, be quick to listen, be speedy, be, be fleet. This is the same word used when the disciples sprinted and raced to the empty tomb to see if Jesus was there. It's a foot race to listen. He says, be quick about it. Don't hesitate. Don't don't consider it. Just quickly listen to other people. As I've been looking at the word listening, this week I did some study on it, on the science of listening. And actually our culture is diminishing the art of listening. Did you know in any communication you spend 60% of it, on average, listening? But you retain only 25% of that. Which means out of today's message, you'll retain about seven and a half minutes. Now, which seven and a half minutes will you retain? I don't know. You could have already retained the first three, and then you have four left. Choose wisely. You never know. But see, we're always listening. Off, well, we're not always listening. And there's always things coming at us. We're not always retaining it. There's a, there's grandma wisdom. Have you heard this? God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. You should listen twice as much as you speak. And God created your ears wide open, but he gave you a flap for your mouth so you can shut it once in a while. Yeah. (laughs) James would agree with that. He'd say, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Now, slow to speak. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone and you can just tell that there's no one home? They're, They're just waiting for you to get done and take a breath so they can say their part? Like at some point you're talking to someone and they are not listening. They're just biding their time for that breath. And he says, "Be quick to listen, slow to speak." Because when you're quick to listen and slow to speak, you, you listen for understanding. You want to hear their heart and what they're saying. You're not just biding your time to chime in. And the Bible is full of wisdom on listening. I just chose one here. It says, Proverbs eighteen two: Fools find no pleasure in listening, but they delight in airing their own opinions. Hashtag Twitter. I mean, I, I mean, um, or social media. We don't like to listen we just like to air our opinions let's be honest how hard is this first verse you know for me a complete extrovert this is a mountain-sized challenge as it is be quick to listen slow to speak and then he says be slow to anger and this anger this is that agitation that part of us that is prone to agitation and and james pulling from proverbs agrees with a lot of things in proverbs twenty nine eleven, it says a fool gives full vent to his spirit i'm just gonna vent for a while but a wise person quietly holds back and then one of my favorites proverbs 14 29 slowness to anger makes for deep understanding but a quick-tempered person stockpiles stupidity <laughs> <laughs> be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry we could literally just stop here and I'll go home and work on that for the whole week, and and that would be a challenge for us. I mean, in our own culture of America, this, this outrage culture on every side, are we quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry? Outrage culture is quick to anger, quick to speak, and last, to listen. In today's culture in politics and on Twitter, if we don't hear something we don't like on social media or somewhere, oftentimes we see the reactions. It is just outrage, and any listening is immediately shouted down and, and chanted over and discourse and communication is lost. You see there, it is triggered to outrage, quick to shout, slow to listen. And, and I just, I was thinking about this, that's, if you take James's verse and flip it to how our culture's behaving and how some of us behave, it's literally the reaction of a, of a young child. And those of you who have kids, you know, when you tell a, a toddler they can't have a lollipop, are they quick to listen are they slow to speak and slow to anger? No, it's outrage culture in the toddler room. Go up there. It's outrage culture. It's, it's, it's tempers and yelling, and then maybe they can listen. He's calling us to grow. James says, grow up past your outrage. Grow towards maturity. Grow to a maturity of heart and life that cannot be triggered. Have, have an emotion and a faith that, that other people aren't in control of. He's calling us to grow past our quick tempers. And to love people as ourselves. Because don't we want to be listened to and understood? It's important to us, isn't it? And James would say, love others the way you want to be loved. Be quick to listen to them. Slow to speak. Slow to anger. Understand them. He keeps going, talking about anger. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. And in our house, we have a verse. We say often, every day often, Ephesians 4.26, In your anger, do not sin. I, we, we pray this every day because my daughter Selah is not like her brother. You see, my daughter Selah has a temper like her daddy's. And and my daughter, if she does not get her way, she's three and a half, she's this tall. If she doesn't get her way, she starts shaking in anger and yelling and hitting or burning down a house. You never know what's gonna happen. And so we have something we do, and I will scoop her up and I'll hold her and I'll say, Selah, look at me, and we lock eyes, and I say, Deep breath, and we do it together. And I say, let's say our verse. In my anger, I will not sin. And she says it with brow furrowed and through clenched teeth I will not sin. We take another deep breath, and then we can feel her, and you can see her visibly unclenching. And then we've taught her to grab the anger and throw it, and it choose a big boy. And we have a conversation. And the reason we're doing this is because her anger, like mine, does not produce what God desires. And so Amy and I's hope is that we are equipping her to not let her temper rule her because one day she's gonna leave and if she doesn't learn this, she's gonna be part of the outrage culture. And we want her to know that she gets to choose if she's angry. It's difficult stuff. I'm I'm doing really well teaching her this. I'm not good at teaching myself these things at all. So Amy's like, Daniel, deep breath. (sighs) In my anger, I'm like, leave me alone, (laughs) that's my lesson. You know, Jesus agrees with this. Jesus tells us, be slow to anger because our anger doesn't produce the righteousness God desires. James tells us that. Our outrage, our temper doesn't produce what God desires. And I think of Jesus. Think of him during his life. All the power brokers were around him and, and they were oftentimes a constant source of outrage for him if he'd let it. He would have been triggered over and over if he'd allowed it. They were constantly coming at his ministry and trying to stop him. But Jesus loved them. He wanted what was best for him. He wanted to see his enemies redeemed and he prayed that God would forgive him, forgive them while they tortured and killed him. Think of Jesus in those because at the end of the day, my anger does not produce what God desires and there are people who cause us incredible anger and outrage. Think of the men in your own life right now. There are people that we know and people who are public figures that cause us incredible anger Did you know we are called to love them? Oh. Did you know we're called to pray for those people? And it's hard for me, but I have to realize that when I act on my selfish anger, it doesn't produce what God wants, and in fact, it's sin. So James is coming right at us here, right out of the chute. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because your anger does not produce the righteousness, the goodness that God wants This is heavy stuff but this is James 101 and the reality is only Jesus, only Jesus passes this test. Every single one of of us struggles with this. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. You know James in this section here is constantly using the language that Jesus used in his sermon about the four soils where each heart was a different soil type and the word of God was a seed that would be planted and the the heart would hear it and receive it and James here says he's referring to a heart that has weeds of selfishness and he says get rid of all the filth and the evil and sin so you can accept the word planted in you which echoes his older brother and savior Jesus do some de-weeding and remove the rocks from your heart so it can receive and grow the word of God. Clean your heart. Get rid of moral filth. The word get rid of is like is, is throw it overboard. Unload it. Stop taking it with you. Stop hoarding it. In my, in my life, things have changed considerably in the past two weeks, and one of them is my wife started watching a television show that's, that's drastically changed my life. Um, it's called like, tidying up or cleaning up or something, and I, I came home one day, and all my drawers were different. Like, like, you know, the, the good American way? The, our forefathers always did it, you know? We went to war so we could fold our clothes that way. Nothing's folded that way anymore. Now they're all differently done. It's all differently and they're all. Have you guys seen this? Anybody, anybody come home and have this happen to you? A couple of us? Yeah? Charlie, we just buckle up, man. It's a fun time. So I come home, and we're talking about, and it's called the Mary Mary Kondo. Marie Kondo, right. And she has this thing, and she goes, if, if, if what you're holding on to doesn't spark joy get rid of it it doesn't spark joy and James would agree because James says if you're holding something and it sparks sin get rid of it if there's anything in your life that sparks anger get rid of it he says get rid of those things that spark it inside of you Hebrews 12:1 says this let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and catches us up throw it off get rid of it Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. It's amazing, this this sentence that says the evil that's so prevalent, it translates to all the evil that remains, that little bit of remnant. It's that stuff in the bottom of the trash. Like, Like, scrape that off. Get rid of even the seeds of the things that can grow up to get you. And then humbly accept the word planted in you. Humbly. Knowing that I need, Father, what you have. Humbly accepting the word he gives. And then then James is gonna turn a corner here and pick up some speed. Do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Now the word is, is, is God's word, God's truth, capital T, truth. And when you hear it, don't deceive yourself and think that just by listening, that's enough. He says don't be deceived. When you hear it, do it. You know Christianity has gotten a bad reputation, because throughout history we have been, we've had this. We've had God's truth, God's word. It's the word of peace, the word of love, the word of redemption, the word of of grace. But instead of acting a lot of this in church history, we have doled out a lot of judgment and hate. Christianity has been guilty of these things. We've missed the verses that say when we hear and hear when we hear from the word, we do in our own lives. Don't merely listen. And James, when he talks about listen here, he uses the word hearer. So this is how it would read. Don't deceive yourself by just being a hearer of the word. Be a doer of the word. Hearing is good. And and that's more than a lot of people do. But it's not enough. He says when you hear, what you take in, put it into practice. When you find truth from God, don't dismiss it. Do it. Paul, writing later in Romans 2.13, echoes this. Merely listening to the word doesn't make us right with God. It is obeying the word that makes us right with God. Which is interesting how much weight throughout the New Testament is put on hearing and doing. James says, do what it says. And the literal translation is prove yourself a doer. When you hear something, a sermon, a reading, a podcast, when you hear truth, when you read truth, prove yourself a doer. Put it into action. Now, what is a doer? What does it mean to be a doer? A doer is a producer. You know, something is produced out of your belief. There's a crop that grows out of your faith. James is driving hard in this, but he's not saying anything that Jesus didn't say. I'm gonna read some of the words from Jesus because he echoes all this. Luke 11:28. 28, Jesus says, blessed are those who hear the word of God and do it. John 13, 17, if you know these truths that Jesus is talking about, blessed are you if you do them. When asked about his family, Jesus said, my family is those people who hear the word of God and put it into action. This this matters to Jesus. Then he gives this parable. This is Jesus speaking again. Everyone who hears the words of mine and does them is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. He has the wisdom of building on a firm foundation of not just hearing, but doing. Then a trial of life happens. The rain falls, the flood came, the winds blew, and they beat at the house, but it didn't fall because it was founded on the rock of hearing and doing. And everyone who hears these words and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds, the trials of life went through his life, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Two people, both of them hear God's word, both experiencing a trial in their life and the deciding factor as to whether their lives crumble or stood up in the storm. It wasn't their talent, it wasn't their bank account, it wasn't how much they said they loved Jesus. Jesus indicates the difference between the two was that one heard it and did it. And the other just heard it. Jesus makes it clear that the only difference between these two What's one of them put into practice the truth of God. And it just makes me wonder, what do we put into practice? What do we do with the truth that we see, that we hear, that we read? Because it's clear from Jesus' writings alone that what we do with what we hear of God's truth has a significant effect on the peace and the security of our life. James takes it further with a parable of his own. He says this, A hearer of the word, a hearer of the word who does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. The word of God would be a mirror. Now we get mirrors, don't we? Are mirrors hard to understand? Nah, we get a mirror, you look at it, and if it's just a regular mirror, what you see is what you get. They don't lie to us. Now you can look in a mirror and lie to yourself about what you see, but a mirror is not going to lie to you. And God's word is a mirror, in it, I see my desires, my beliefs, and my actions for what they are. And I see where I, I'm in alignment. I see where I'm out of alignment. I see where there's some stuff messed up. And God's word does not lie to me. Now, I can dismiss it, but it doesn't lie to me. And today, the mirror of God's truth, we've already heard something. We've already heard a mirror of God's truth say, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And as I look in the mirror of God's, God's word, I look at how I measure up to that. Am I quick to listen Am I slow to speak? Am I slow to anger? And the places where I am, I get encouragement. And the places I'm not, I get conviction. And I get a chance to change that. The reality is because without a mirror, I can begin to think that I'm okay. If it's just myself with no mirror, then I don't know where I have moral bed hair or sin stuck in my teeth. I don't see these things. (laughs) I just go through life thinking this is how it should be. In our spiritual culture of America, many people are investing in carnival mirrors. Remember carnival mirrors? You go to the fun house and, like, it shows you really tall and skinny, or or this, like, you're like two foot tall and big, or or you're a wobbly. See, a fun house carnival mirror highlights certain things but diminishes others. And for a lot of us, we love um, the carnival spiritual mirror because it can highlight the things we really enjoy, and it can kind of move away the things that we find distasteful. But God gives us a mirror of his word and it's constant and it tells us the truth and there's ancient truth in it and every day I can look in there and see what I need to adjust. But through it all, the truth of God's word, God's mirror, it doesn't change and it stands there with absolute ancient truth available to us, calling us to love and grace and forgiveness. So James is making it clear here. We are called to two things. You're called to be a hearer. You're called to be a doer. He says, "Daniel, if you are simply a hearer, if you're simply a reader, you deceive yourself. Because when I'm just a hearer, I don't mature, I don't grow. My faith remains immature and small. I'm working, out with, or I'm working with Eric Bullock now he's a fitness guy in the area, I've known him since elementary school. He goes to hear the Orchard, and he knows so much about the body and, and fitness, and so he's got me on this. Um, nutrition thing and I'm learning all about lean proteins and complex this and, 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 and healthy fats I love, I love healthy fats and, and all these different nutrition I'm, I'm reading it all but strangely enough when I read about all these things um, I'm no more fit after I read them I even this is the weirdest thing you guys won't believe me when I say this I went down to the gym and I put my air, earbuds in and I listened to a podcast on building muscle I didn't lift anything. I went home and nothing was different. It was like I just listened and nothing happened. It was the strangest thing. I was expecting my hearing to immediately change me. It's ridiculous in the gym, isn't it? Isn't that ridiculous? But we expect this in our spiritual life. Somehow just through attending or through just hearing, my spiritual fitness is increasing. My faith is going deeper. But Jesus makes it clear. You hear and then you do. And there's a firm foundation there. With God, just as in the gym, truth is necessary, but if you don't act on it, nothing will change because information is not transformation. You need to act on it. We were never meant to show up on Sunday and just listen to a sermon, shake some hands, eat a snack, and leave without anything being adjusted or or anything. The goal of all of this is to become more like Jesus and how we live and love, to become more like him in, in our holiness, in our character, in our virtue. An authentic Jesus follower would know that when we come to any sermon, any teaching, read any passage, any growth group, anything, that there's an opportunity, a moment at the end to ask ourselves, how do I put this into action? How does this change me? How will I adjust my life to what I just read or heard? That's building the firm foundation. A hearer of the word who does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after he is looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. After truly seeing yourself in the word of God, you leave and immediately forget. This, is, this means by the time I hit the door of the church, I have forgotten what I just heard. By the time I close my Bible app from my reading, I'm already thinking about what's next and I, I'm not taking any of that with me or that my prayer life stops at the dinner time, amen. It says that the person who looks in the mirror and immediately forgets what they look like. Do you know who does that? I used to be a youth pastor, so I can say this. Do you know who looks in a mirror and just is indifferent to it or forgets what they look like? A middle school boy. And there's a maturity that happens when they realize girls aren't gross that they go, what is this strange thing that goes through my hair? And, and, you know, but but, but when they... Middle school boys will look into a mirror and be unaffected by what they see. And it's time for, you mature out of that phase. And spiritually, James is saying, for a lot of us, we look into a mirror and we are unaffected, we're indifferent to what we see. And it's time to mature past that phase. It's time to see what's in the mirror and then put some action to it. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law, now this is a heavy section here. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they'll be blessed in what they do. Whoever looks intently, this word means to bend forward and gaze. It's a very, it's a very cool word to gaze into something with great expectation. And I could only think of when Amy and I were having our first child. They gave us an envelope that said "self baby gender." We were at Whole Foods. That's where you go to figure out those things. And as a Whole Foods, and she's opening it, and I found myself just like. What I, I was bending forward, gazing, waiting. What I was about to read was going to change my life forever. And James would say, do you ever have that expectation of God's word? That you gaze into it, lean forward, because you think what I'm about to read could change my life forever. I could forgive people who wronged me a lifetime ago. I could, I could live in freedom from sin. I could li- it could change our lives And so he says to bend forward, to gaze intently into this. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law. Now what is the perfect law? James was raised in a Hebrew household and the Old Testament was what they called the law. But he's not talking about that. He's not talking about the Old Testament law. He says this is the perfect law that brings freedom. What he's saying here, this is the law of liberty. And it's different than what we've heard in the past. This is not a reference to the law that he grew up reading this is a reference to the law he grew up next to his brother and savior jesus christ the perfect law that brings freedom the book of james was probably the first new testament book written and so this is cutting edge what he's writing right here the perfect law that james is referring to is the new law the work of jesus jesus knew the old testament he knew the old law and guess what he followed it perfectly but Jesus doesn't call us now to go back to the old law and follow all the dietary and mosaic laws. Jesus fulfilled it and on the other side of the cross there's this new law because he fulfilled it, died, and resurrected. There's this new perfect law that James wants us to gaze into. And Jesus says that there is something. Jesus says there's something that sums up the law that the entire law hangs on. And he says here's what it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love people as yourself. He says that that is what the entire law hangs on. Jesus said that. And that is our vision here at the orchard. When We have a snapshot of it, which is love God and love people. And James says, if you gaze into this perfect law, the work of Jesus, loving God and loving people, it brings freedom. That this new work of Jesus should bring freedom to people who follow it not more religious restriction and no no jesus offers liberation from sin and freedom from condemnation freedom to walk into god's throne room freedom to love god with all of our heart soul mind and strength we don't need anybody between us anymore no one we can love god in a new way we have freedom and we have the freedom to love people no asterisks. all people We have the freedom to go out into all the world and show the love he's giving us to them. In fact, speaking of this love, Jesus said this, everyone will know you are my disciples by your love. We should be known by our love. But how is it that church and Christianity are often known for in America? You see, the perfect law gives us freedom to love others. It's to be hard to, to say in here. We are called to love those we don't agree with politically. I know. You chose the wrong Sunday to come. <laughs> when our faith begins to take deep root and there's maturity, we find that we have the freedom and power to love politician, politicians we can't stand. Because guess what? Politicians need Jesus especially, don't they? They need Jesus. When you begin to grow up in this and we see that we have the freedom to love God and love people, we can love left, right, far left, far right, middle, up, down, every color, every orientation, every affiliation, every football team, anything. The love of God can grow us to that much maturity. We're, we're not just not outraged, but you engage the world with love. Even if they don't engage you with love. The perfect law of love, God, love people allows you the freedom to grow in maturity to love all people and not be outraged, but to respond in love. Whoever looks intently into these, in the perfect law that brings freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it. Now it says continues in it. This is just not a one-time thing. I don't just go, love, God, love people, check it off and keep going. This is a daily thing for me. God, am I loving you with my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Am I loving people? Where am I not loving people as you would have me? And when he brings those truths to me, I have a choice to do it or not. And it says, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it. And the literal translation says, don't become a forgetful hearer, but be an effective doer orchard let's not be a forgetful hearer let's not sit in here or or in your growth groups or your time alone with god let's not sit in those moments and be a forgetful hearer let's be an effective doer when the word when the mirror comes up and we see truth oh i don't love that person at all like i should i badmouth them i trash them i see where i am wrong and i uh, father forgive me and i'm going to work to love that person and i should probably start by praying for them <laughs> oh how hard is this? how hard is this But God asks us to be an effective doer. And then that person will be blessed in what they do. And, Orchard, I'm going to end with these. This is the two things to end with. One, these passages, and James will keep doing this, highlight the vital importance of God's word in our life. It is is vital that we are hearing, reading, our souls are feeding on God's truth. People often ask me, How do I hear from God? And God will speak to us with uh, prompts and, and stuff like that, but, but God speaks through this clearly. Now, this would be what we, we feast on, that we are hearing and that we're remaining in it. Orchard, God's word is important to the maturity of our faith. It gives us gentle correction or authentic encouragement or at times it gives us deep conviction. This year, try something new. I would just challenge you, this year, be a hearer of God's word. Find a way to get into it. Me and um, some of my buddies, we, are, we, are on, we have an app on our phone. It's the, the number one Bible app. And we just picked a, a reading plan. And we are reading the Bible through this year and commenting on it and all those things. And, and it, it's a great little tool. And the best part is I can read it. But if I'm in the car driving, I can push a button and it reads it to me. Huh? That's awesome. Maybe you're not as impressed by technology as I am. You're like, Daniel, my phone's been talking to me for hours. Okay, yeah, that's good. Whatever you do, whatever you choose to do and engage with, maybe find some people, find a group, or find something that works for you, but, but I would say there's no downside to having God's word more and more in your life. And your faith at the end of 2019 will look a lot different. If you're not hearing God's word in your life, how can we be doing if we're not hearing and reading and ingesting, how can we even do it? How can we mature? The second one is this. You've probably heard me say this before. When we are confronted by truth, when I look in the mirror of God's word and I see where I'm not in alignment right? I'm confronted by truth, I have two choices. I can adjust or I can justify. Orchard, we will always do one of those things when confronted with truth. When you hear something, you will adjust your life or you will justify your life. You will do or you will dismiss. And so the question here is, what do we do? Just with today's truth about quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, take that one at the first. How do we adjust to that? Or do we justify, oh, he has no idea what this person's like. Like, we do this. We consistently justify our sin. James calls us to maturity, and to adjust and do what the word says. When you hear God's word, adjusting is doing, justifying is dismissing. Here's a place to start. Orchard, has God asked you to do something in the past that you dismissed? Has there been something maybe he asked you to do that you justified your way out of? Start there maybe. Maybe go back and say, forgive me for for dismissing that. I'm gonna adjust to that. I'm gonna do that. And then as you go forward and you, just from today's sermon or other podcasts and other readings you have, have that moment during it, after it's over, where you say, what do I do? Ask yourself this question and you will be building your life on a firm foundation. As we go into communion, I want to remind you guys that here at the Orchard, if you're a guest of ours, that this is an open communion. Communion that you don't have to take a class, that Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And if you want to do that, you are welcome to come. And as you get it and you sit down with the the symbol of his body and his blood, Jesus was word and action. And, And his obedience led him to the cross for our benefit. I would say just thank him for his sacrifice. And then ask him, Father, Jesus, where am I off? Where am I out of alignment where have I justified, where have I dismissed that you would have me adjust to? And he might bring some things to mind. But Orchard, at the end of the day, it has become obvious through not just James's words, but through the writings of Paul and the words of Jesus, that we shouldn't just be hearers, but we should put what we hear into action. And when we do, the world around us takes note. Because we're not handing out judgment, condemnation at that point. We are hearing from the loving God of the universe and we are living out, love God, love people, all people. Amen? Let me pray for us. Father, um, we thank you for James. Thank you for his forthrightness. And I pray that this morning that you would be clear to us as well, that you would speak to us. I pray, Father, that you would have the Orchard be a bold and courageous people who say yes to adjusting to the truth. Lord, may you give us supernatural courage this morning to make some bold decisions where we have dismissed your truth. Change Father. In Jesus' name, amen.